It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You want me to play, huh? Is that what you want? I want you to be a hockey player. I am a hockey player. The Worldwide Sports Radio Network presents Off the Post. We suck. I'm not going to break it down for you. We suck. With your host, Ashley Sarge. Thanks very much. Welcome to the first show ever of Off the Post. We'll be here every... Uh, What's today, Saturday? Mm-hmm. What's today, Saturday? Yeah, today's Saturday. It's the middle of November, and there's no hockey. I'm freaking out. It's it's nice outside today. It's a very warm day, but there's no hockey. We're in the off-season, or kind of the off-season, in this strange 2020 year. We'll be, like I said, here every Saturday. We'll be also streaming on Facebook, Periscope, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. What's Twitch? And... <laughs> And we're on, of course, the Worldwide Sports Radio.com network. Hi, I'm Ashley Sarge. Speedy Petey is my executive producer, the man. Or I'll refer to him in the coming week as the producer, the man. Executive, the man. executive. That's a pretty big title there. <laughs> well, you're doing a lot of the legwork here, so you are the man. Yeah, you are definitely the man. It's, this is very strange and, and weird. I mean, this whole the year's been strange and weird since March 11th when the NHL went into pause. As we all and all sports went, everything went into pause. Stayed home. All you did was stay home. Mm-hmm. And, it, and my father had a friend. My my my, fa- my parent. I'm from a Jewish background, and my father would always say, "This me makes the which means makes you nuts. And this definitely makes you nuts. This whole mm-hmm. nine months has made me nuts. So, anyway, let's get to some hockey news while we're uh, up and running. Of course, congratulations to Ryan Strom. Signed a two-year deal with the New York Rangers. They avoid arbitration. It's a $4.5 million uh, thing. Also, I forgot to talk about my guest. You see, I didn't do it in uh, step. Didn't do it in step. Uh, Anyways, uh, the guest list today includes Mick Kern, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. He does the uh, under-review show or whatever they call it, the war room show. He does afternoon drive. He does whatever they tell him to do, and uh, and uh, and he'll be along to uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kibitz together. We'll have a good time together. We'll talk about hockey, the void of hockey, no TV, no new TV shows. I mean, there's nothing to watch on television. It was good for a while there. We had uh, the NBA, the NHL, we had major league, we had every sport. I think that's the first time ever that mm-hmm. the that we had. Yeah, there's only there's only a select few days that like they're on all at once, but now we got it for a whole month or so. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were like they were like all for a whole month. By the way, for the first time ever in my life, my birthday is in August. They actually played hockey on my birthday, hey. which, I was, which I was yearning as a kid. I always said as a kid, I said I want them to play hockey on my birthday, and they finally did. And by the way, Montreal, where I'm from, Montreal played Philadelphia that day. So something I'll I'll I didn't attend the game because the game was at the bubble in Toronto and we, we didn't go to the bubble in Toronto. I guess you could say that was the icing on the cake. It, it was icing. All right. <laughs> it was icing. Uh, I, I don't personally think that anything can get back to normal before January of 2022, by the way, just to get off topic or not really the, the Islander building is about five minutes from my house where I'm standing for you right now. And, um, it's almost, fin- it looks like it's almost finished. So, uh, They'll be in there, I think, not this year, but next year, 2021-22. Of course, the Seattle Kraken, and we'll have some... Release the Kraken. The Seattle Kraken, I think it's a terrible name, but... Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's an... I think they should have been the the Totems, Thunderbirds, 
Metropolitans, and it was one other name I really liked. I voted this for is... Sasquatch first. That would have been the best if they went that Sasquatch. direction. But I don't yeah, mind. Yeah. I don't mind Kraken. It's something different, something very unique, it's intimidating. And again, they did. A, I think they did a pretty good job with the jersey designs too. All, all things considered, the color scheme is pretty good, and I think they could definitely expand on that even more too. I think that's something that could definitely work. I think it's a very unique name. Oh, it is a unique name. It's some kind of uh, lizard or something that's found a mythological in that creature, part, of, yeah. that part mm-hmm. of the country. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how it was explained to me. Okay. Yeah, it's mostly I known guess. as a mythological creature, but yeah. <laughs> some mythological mythological creature, but the creature was um, somewhere in that uh, area. So uh, where, where was my... See, I... See, Speedy, I lost my train of thought. There's nothing okay, wrong so going gonna, off track. <laughs> I'm way off track. I'm way off track. Anyways, uh, we, were, we were congratulating Ryan Strom on his two-year $4.5 million to avoid arbitration. Rangers also signed uh, Brendan Lemieux. Claude Le- matter of fact, I think we had Claude Lemieux in the other reincarnation on the Saturday afternoon show. Uh, we, I think we had Claude Lemieux on. I don't remember. He signs a two-year deal. His son Brendan does with the Rangers at $1.55 million. A rumor's going around they wanted to trade him. They did They did release uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who yesterday unveiled, unveiled his new pads that he will be uh, showing in Washington with the mm-hmm. Washington Capitals. I give them a very good chance. Peter Lavalade has won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. He's a winning coach. Uh, and we will have somebody on from the Capitals down the road, I think. Uh, and I have an Ovechkin thing here also. I think that they're very, very... Uh, very could be part of the Stanley Cup final, if not win the Stanley Cup. Well, it depends on which playoff think, Ovechkin you get. <laughs> that makes I, a big I difference. I think that, um, that Lundqvist and Ovechkin are, are on the back nine of their career. I think uh, that uh, they will they will want to really show off their last uh, hurrah. This, of course, is Ovechkin's last year. And he said today that he has no intention of his, this is his final year of his 13-year $124 million contract and that he has no intention of signing with anybody else. The only one he probably will probably go back to Dyna, Dynamo Moscow and play with them. He's been watching a lot of games back there in this pause while we wait for the NHL to, um, for the NHL to resume. Uh, we'll talk to Mick Kern about that. I've heard several rumors, more rumors than I can tell you about. I've heard, 48 games. I've heard 56 games. I've heard uh, Canadian division. I've heard all kinds of uh, scenarios. Just, uh, just public... for it all, just for it all to be 32 and a half games. <laughs> I've heard uh, bubble teams. What happened? What What I mean by bubble teams is each division will have one bubble city. So you have an East, let's say Columbus, just for for argument's sake. You'd have uh, in the Atlantic division, let's say Boston. I'm just I'm not, this isn't true. Then in the central division, let's say St. Louis. And then in the West, let's say Edmonton, just for the, just for the, and they would play all their games in those particular cities. Mm-hmm. Does Edmonton that's, really want to play there again? They didn't look good in their own bubble last time. <laughs> that's, um, that's um, what that rumor is. I'm going to, uh, we're going to have Kevin Weeks on, of course, uh, in the next part of the hour. And uh, former NHL goaltender, now NHL network guy, uh, also does, uh, during the playoffs, he does analytic work. So we'll ask him about those rumors. So that's the guest list for today. Mm-hmm. And as I said, jumping around here, that uh, Alex Ovechkin's on his last year. 
He is 188 goals short of Wayne Gretzky all time. In 15 seasons, he has 706 goals. He's only 188 behind Wayne Gretzky. Does he catch him? Nah. I don't think. I, I don't it. think next year. He'd have to have two 50-plus goal seasons. Um, I think he's going to hang. He's going to try. So we'll it's, see. It's that, still going to be that, very hard, though. 188 goals you're talking about. That's if he has all those 50 goal seasons all in a row. You'd have to have with three. True. You'd have to have four. What is it? Four. If you do the math, somewhere between 40 and 45 goal seasons, or you have three 50 goal seasons. That's going to be next to impossible to do. I guess if there was anyone to do it, it would be him. But you're talking about a, a record owned by Wayne Gretzky, who outside of Gordy Howe has every other NHL record, probably. <laughs> He does, and I'll have to go through all those. Well, one day, one show we'll do that. We'll go through Wayne Gretzky's uh, record. He's not, a, he's not a big media guy, despite what he says, that he's a, an ambassador. He's, he shies <laughs> away. He shies away from, oh, I got a text from Mick Kern. What does it say? Oh, yeah. Mick Kern. What does it say? It says, uh, sorry, he's going to try now. All righty. Just jump on whenever you're ready, Mick. We're waiting yeah. for you. Yeah, again, it's that's definitely going to be a tough one to go for, for sure. I mean, 50 goals in today's NHL is already difficult to begin with, but you're, you're judging a case now with a much older player in Ovechkin. Could, could he do it three years in a row in order to ac- accumulate that record? Not to mention the other talent's going to get older around him, too. Backstrom's already older. Uh, they have some young players, the Capitals, but they're not a team that's known for them, especially on the offensive side. Uh, they're really more built on the veterans right now. They have a young goaltender in Samsonov who's phenomenal, but again, they really aren't built like that. So they're going to get older too, a lot of these players. So that kind of longevity is going to be very, very difficult. Well, that's what the NHL wants. They want players to, uh, they want players to um, edge out and they want different teams to take over sort of the model of the NFL. Talking about older players, a sad note. One time, New York Ranger defenseman Jim Nielsen passed away yesterday at the age of 79. He would have been 80 years old on November 20th. He played 12 of 16 seasons with the New York Rangers. He played along with a guy named Rod, Rick, uh, Rod Sealing. Uh, he played two years with the California Golden Seals, two years with the Cleveland Barons, and he signed one year with the Edmonton Oilers. And guess who he was a teammate of? Ah, guess who he was a teammate of? Yes. Bill Bear? No, we've been talking about him all. Uh, he was uh, Gretzky was seventeen years old. Oh wow! Oh, at the t- at the time with the Edmonton Oilers, one thousand and twenty four games, sixty nine goals, two hundred ninety nine assists, three hundred and sixty eight points for the Chief, mm-hmm. Jimmy Nielsen. Chief. Uh, he was quite a defenseman. He was a steady to about six two and about about one hundred ninety pounds. Um, that was probably big for that time, I would imagine. Yeah, he was, he was a very stay-at-home type of guy. Got the odd goal. Good defensively against the other team's top defenseman. And he was part of that Ranger team in the 60s and 70s that uh, did pretty well for themselves. So sad to hear that he would have been 80 years old November 20th, uh, Jimmy Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's no longer with us. That's It's quite a year yeah, this year. It's quite a few. Oh, my uh, God, yeah. Big time athletes. More than a few. It's more than a few. It's uh, athletes, celebrities. Oh, my God. Everything, it seems like. And obviously. Yep. Uh, That's what happens when you get old. Unfortunately, everyone else that uh, that has passed from COVID-19 as well and anything else, uh, thoughts and prayers to all the families that have lost somebody. And it looks like our guest has arrived. Are you put him up? Can I see him? Will I be able to see him? He's coming uh, in. He's coming in as we speak. Mick Kern. Is. 
has not. He's on. Uh, he's on audio. I can't. We can't see his video at the moment. Uh, okay, audio's fine. There he, there is. he is. There he is. Gentlemen, can you hear me? Loud and clear. How are you? Hey, good to see you, Ashley, my man. How you doing? I'm wonderful. How are you? Pretty nice hat. You. Where's the expo hat? Oh, that's predictable. I thought I'd give you some pirates. I hated this team. Yeah, I, 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 I expose. I, I, I want a. I want an expo hat. We're going to talk Montreal Canadiens. I want your opinion. First, okay. I want your. First, I want your opinion. I want to know what you think about uh, what's gone on so far, uh, the season, the way they handled the season, the way the season ended. Um, what can you say? They awarded a Stanley Cup champion. It was legitimate. Uh, they played a full playoff and, and, and extra. We had extra playoffs. Everyone wants that. Oh, I don't, but we <laughs> had to. I think it was legitimate. Um, I think the fact that the players bought in and we had very few problems, and if we had any uh, if there were any positive tests, you know, cause I don't believe zero ever. I don't believe we ever get the full story on anything, but I think it's probably was 99.99% fine. So therefore we'll go with it. We had a, a legitimate cup champion, Tampa, Dallas were one of the top four teams in the West. That wasn't a fluke. The teams that shouldn't have won Montreal, Arizona, and Chicago, who won in the first round, great playoff wins. Uh, got punted the next round. That's the way it should have been. And again, sports, anything can happen. Or why play? We'll just play stratomatic baseball, which I love. Or stratomatic hockey. But over the course of the playoffs, you know this in baseball, because you know I'm a huge baseball fan. In football, I'm not a basketball guy, but the same thing. Usually the better teams make it. It's rare that the Cinderella team goes all the way and wins. The 91 North Stars got beat by the Penguins in six. That's the closest we've come. When the Kings won when they were an eight-seed team, they laid in the weeds that all season. You guys know that. They were a better team, and they finally got their act together and won. So I think it's legitimate. It's a shame the fans weren't there, but I think the NHL did an admirable job. But guys, having said that, and knowing a few people who work behind the scenes, like Mike Ross in Toronto doing the, the voice uh, voicing for the NHL, one of the, the PA guys, that was an undertaking. That was enormous. The big, enormous one is coming up even now. You know that. I want to get back to what you said. So you think that maybe there was some positive COVID and they just swept it under the rug like one or two guys? Would you? Would no, you? I, I don't think so because they did, They weren't allowed to go anywhere. They were amongst themselves. That's a good, no, that's a good point. They I didn't mean the players. I just meant more support staff and that who, who came I, in I out. think, I think, well, we, you and I weren't there, so we couldn't exactly eyeball what was going, going on. They, they wouldn't let us in. <laughs> which, is, which is why it worked. Because actually, you would have destroyed everything. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I would have tried. Anyways, um, I, I think that the the, uh, the hockey players are a lot smarter than the football guys, a lot smarter than the basketball guys, a lot smarter than the baseball guys. That they didn't they didn't go anywhere. They stayed within that within that bubble. They just stayed within themselves. And the fact that's why they didn't get any COVID. No, they, there was no way they could get sick. It was absolutely no way. They just stayed hunkered down, and there was no way they could get sick. I think you're probably right. So to, to sum it up, I give it, how can you not give it an A plus? The only thing that hurt that revenue hurt because you didn't put uh, people in the seats because it's inside. It's not outside like baseball and football. That's the, that's the big uh, challenge now, but I, I'd have to give it an A plus. And I got to tell you this guys too. I, I'm nostalgic for it right now. Early on or late July with the exhibition games, but early August watching games from uh, with the Eastern time zone from 12 noon till two in the morning and they just roll into each other and they're all important. I mean, if you told me when I was 10 that that would happen, I would have been, ah, where is this hockey nirvana? Where can I sign up? <laughs> so it was great. 
I agree with you because they they played hockey the first time. My birthday's in August, and the first time they played hockey on my on my birthday in my life, and it was it was Nevada. That was great. I, I think they've learned from college basketball, and they've learned from the other sports that if you have that, you'll have eyeballs watching, yeah. and then maybe maybe you'll get newer fans. Is what the the whole idea is. is you got to get newer fans because you got to expand the product. You got to expand the game. You got to expand it to other things. It's now the fourth ranked sport in North America, behind uh, behind football. And the only reason pro- football is popular because of gambling, in my opinion. Uh, well, but, I love football, though. I, I'm a big football. That's what I played in high school. I love football. Well, you're, you're, but you're the gambling small, aspect. You're not a small guy. Yeah, you're not a small guy. So, yeah, I so. So, <laughs> you're not a small guy, so I can see you playing football. You know, I really enjoy CFL football, and I'm surprised they didn't try to make a go of it anyway. Economically, it couldn't work. I love it, too. I'm an NFL and CFL guy. You can like both. They both have roots in, in the northeast of the U.S. and Canada back in the late 1800s. They both came from the same place and went a different route. I believe you can eat Burger King and McDonald's. I love both, as you can tell. Economically, couldn't make it Same. work. They couldn't. There was, it was too small of a league. The television contract, TSN up here in Toronto, helps keep the league afloat and does a really good job. It just didn't work. So hopefully next summer they'll, they'll start yeah. again. Let's talk about your favorite team, the Montreal Canadiens. Haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1993, but they're sort of moving in that direction now. They signed John Allen. They signed... Joel Edmondson. They signed Terry uh, Toffoli. Where do you think this is all going to, when they, sh- and they traded uh, Ty Domi? Well, wh- first, let me get you the, the free agents and what do you think about the deal from Domi? Okay, first of all, yeah, I grew up a Habs fan. My dad was a Frank Mahavlich fan. I always joke that if uh, he hadn't been traded at first to Detroit in, and then Montreal, I would have grown up a Leaf fan, which I can't even imagine. So, you know, you, you pick up stuff from your dad. I'm also a huge, as you know, Blues fan. That was my team as a kid. I had Montreal in the East, St. Louis in the West, because Gary Unger was the coolest guy going because he actually had long hair in the early 70s. Everybody else looked like they were Marines. And as a kid, <laughs> the long hair was cool. So I always, so when the Blues won a cup uh, well, last year, that was a big deal for me. Um, but you know, in this job, you know this, guys, that you, you cheer for all the teams, 31, soon to be 32. I can sit there and tell you, oh, I really like this young Toronto team. They're, they're an interesting team. I really like Boston. And I've always had a Boston love as a Montreal fan because they are huh. they to me are the greatest rivalry in hockey. That's just my opinion. Uh, New York, uh, that's good too, you know, Alberta. But do I still somewhere inside look at Montreal, even though my job is to look at all? Sure I do, because you never lose that. Um, here's what I'll say about Montreal. Um it's been an eon since they've won. Those glory days are long gone. They earned all those cups. Other teams could have done the same. They didn't. They didn't keep up with them. But the league has changed, and for the better. Uh, Sam Pollock, it would be interesting to see, and, and Frank Selke, uh, a senior before him, who created the dynasty, who came over from the Leafs in the 40s. It would be interesting to see how they would deal with today's reality. That um, Back then, there were six teams, seven teams in a 21-team league that really knew what they were doing. The others were bottom feeders. So it was between Montreal and Boston, the Islanders and the Flyers, the usual suspects. Just look at the Stanley Cup final all those years before people started to get their crap together. Um, having said that, it's tough. When you've got that, if, if, if Montreal didn't have their history, they were just, say, a team that joined the league when Nashville joined, then they would be this little <laughs> underdog team that a lot of people would probably like. Uh, but they have the weight of history. They've got the 23 Stanley Cup banners in the NHL and the 24th before that. They've got them up there. And that weighs heavily on the guys wearing the uniform now because that's got nothing to do with them 93 is a long time ago and ranger fans 94 is just behind it so don't get smug um still one year yeah well i hear you what i think is interesting about montreal now is 
I try to divorce the history from them. What have they done in the last five years? What have they done to the Bergevin era? Um, and it's interesting because he came in on a sort of a honeymoon. He picked up some good signings. They, they kind of, they got to the Eastern Conference final a couple of times. Now in 2010, it was because Yaroslav Halak played out of his mind. Let's be honest about that. But they were there again behind Carey Price. They just weren't good enough to get there. This, this mythology that they have been a failure is not true. But they've been a failure in the sense that they can't seem to get out of the, into the next gear. They always get stuck there. They're stuck in the mushy middle to a degree. Even this season, guys, I'm looking at the lineup. Steve Coolius and I did this uh, a couple of weeks ago before we went on vacation on the power play. And Steve said, well, uh, Claude Julien, who we've all got respect for, I think, said, look, we're a playoff team. And so Steve said, are they? And I said, okay, well, let's look. Okay, well, they're going to make it, uh, not Montreal. Okay, so I still think Boston's going to make the playoffs. The window's closing on them. They're aging, but they're still going to be there. Washington, okay, Pittsburgh, ah, okay, okay. I think Toronto's still there. They got some lot of interesting pickups there. Kind of going through, and the Islanders are still there. Before I knew it, I, well, the Rangers, they're getting better. I like Philly. And before you know it, I had no room. So I do not believe that Montreal's necessarily a playoff team. They'll be fighting tooth and nail for a wild card. And, which I thought they would last year, but they actually finished, what, 10 points back of a wild card. They wouldn't have had the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the generous playoff system because of COVID. They wouldn't <laughs> have been there. So, Ashley, I like what they've done. I like some of the, um, the additions, but I want to see if some of these lads can reach their potential. I think a lot of people picked on uh, Bergeron for, for signing Jake Allen, but he was actually um, ahead of the curve on this because he knows it's going to be a, a, a condensed schedule. You better have a solid backup goalie and Allen fit that role in St. Louis rather well behind Bennington when he lost his starting job. He didn't seem to sulk about it. He, he was really good as the backup and that's what they're going to need. Um, I think Montreal's a solid team, but I just think they're still better teams. So my long-winded answer, because since we're doing a show, is <laughs> I think they're going to fight for a playoff spot. If things go their way, yeah, they could finish sixth or seventh, but they could also finish ninth or tenth. They're just going to be one of those teams. See, I, I think I think Pittsburgh's going to take two steps back. Possible. I I, I I think that there's there's a lot of chaos over there. Malkin and Crosby are starting to get up in the in the thirties now and they're starting to slow down a little bit, not a lot. I think the cast is a little bit less less well or good, however you, I yep. can say proper English. I, I think they're the team that's gonna take two steps back. I think Boston's gonna take two steps back. No Tory crew. I don't think Chow is coming back because of COVID. And I think they're gonna take two steps. I, I'm not and, and Rask, I don't think Rask is coming back. These are good points. These are good points. That can, you're right, Ashley. That's, that's why we play the games. On paper, Boston's still, to me, a better team than Montreal, for example. But they're always joined to the hip, these two teams. But you're right. Once we play and those factors in, you can start to see. You can start to see where there's a path for teams like a Montreal or a Florida, though they're kind of an mm-hmm. interesting team, to, to suddenly jump in there. Craig Button has often said, you know, the former GM and, and, and hockey guru, that in a regular season, 82 games, People say, what can you tell by 2025 games? He says, you can tell by 10 games with some exceptions, what kind of team you have. That's one eighth of your schedule. So if we're playing a truncated, if we're playing a 48 game season, a 60 game season, I only still want to go January 1st. I'll believe that when I see it, Um, man, a fast start is going to be really important, Ashley. So you may be right. I'm not putting any money on it. I'll put your money on it if you want. <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> I'm, I'm broke. Oh, I wanted to ask you, what have you heard? Have you heard, uh, you think, I've heard February, I've heard end of January, February, I've heard 56, I've heard 48, I've heard all kinds, I've heard bubble teams again, like each division will have a bubble. What, what have you heard? Yeah, I've heard no different than you. Yeah, sometimes we get told stuff, uh, 
by insiders off the record, but since we're not at the station, no, I'm, I'm hearing the same as you. Uh, you probably even heard more than me, Ashley. Um, they're all feasible scenarios. I know basketball is aiming to go up the 22nd of December. Yes, and they, um, they just they signed. Have, they, except for the border issue, because the Raptors can just do a, a Blue Jays and play out of Buffalo or whatever the heck they're going to play. Um, that's the one difference. They got to still play in buildings. They have the same health um, restrictions and challenges the NHL has. The border is the big issue. If you're going to do an all-Canadian division, which a lot of people up here want to do, it'd be novel. I'd do it, for, I'd do it just to have hockey. Heck. I'd have the old Northwest Territories division. That's fine. Get Jeff Sanderson or whatever. It's still around. I think he was born there. Uh, just got drafted. Yeah, that's wow. right. So let him in there. Um, I would do it. You may have to have sort of uh, quasi-bubbles for, say, the Pacific Division uh, to cut down on travel. You're going to have to do an MLB, NFL model. You're not going to have a bubble like you had in Toronto. That is not going to happen again. It's too expensive. Players don't want to do it for an elongated period of time. And you can't blame them. Well, they're rich. They should do anything. Yeah, they're marionettes that dance for your pleasure. But there is, and they get paid well. Most of them, not all, but um, but they're not going to do that for an elongated period of time. So I think you're right, Ashley. We may see we're going to see a moving sort of caravan. We may open up just spitballing here. Twenty games in these kind of bubbles, in the sense of we're going to play in LA, San um, San Jose, and and I would just say, and all the teams Dallas and all that will play into that, and they'll go between the three. And then as COVID, we beat COVID back a bit, maybe a vaccine actually works and gets to people. That's all, you know, that's going to happen at some point. But when, then you might see them open it up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you play, say, a 50, whatever, game schedule, and you finish again in the summer. Now the, now the NBC Olympics, or otherwise known as the Summer Olympics, are looming on the horizon in Tokyo in, what, third week in July. If that even happens, that's a big if, too because it's been delayed, as we all know. And NBC is going to put all the resources into that. I've had some people say to me, well, who cares? That's the Japanese time zone. Uh, you can play hockey and basketball in the day, and then you watch the Olympics. First of all, most people aren't up that time of night in North America. Second of all, NBC and the American networks, you know in this, guys, um, most Americans consume the Olympics through packaged stuff. They don't watch it live. Um, remember, as you know, in 1980, a lot of Americans watched the Miracle on Ice through Canadian television in the Buffalo, Detroit, and Seattle area because we carried it live in the afternoon and it was repackaged later for the evening, which was actually brilliant because by knowing the Americans won, which is one of the greatest wins ever, I was so happy. Um, everyone watched because everyone loves a winner and everyone's loved beating the Rusky, so did I. So, so back to today, um, people are going to consume the Olympics because of the time zone in packages. So if you've got hockey and basketball going at the same time, people are Olympic. The Olympics, nobody cares for the most part for hurdling and running and swimming. They don't care until the Olympics come. Then everybody suddenly is an expert. It's just, you know, I've got to watch. i got to watch. And that's what's going to happen again. So hockey and basketball may want to get their seasons done before the Olympics happen. If that happens, then you've got a ticking time bomb of a schedule, guys. Do you think uh, they'll play into July or the first week of July? Or you think, I think they'll, they'll have play? to. I think they'll have to. And they may have to go into August and compete with the Olympics, which they won't compete. It'll be a side thing. But yeah. you know what? Again, hockey is an inverted pyramid of interest. It's unfortunate. Football's the perfect setup, someone told me once. One of my buddies who works. Oh, right. I, I've, I've heard that. It's, it is the per- it is. For television, yes. Once a week, then you dissect it for two days, then you build up for the next game. There's one big championship game. Hockey, basketball, and baseball, unless your team's in it, there's an inverted pyramid of interest. That's why most people watch the first few rounds. I don't know a way around it. 
My guest is Nick Kern, Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. He does the under-review, the over-review. How, how's it working from home? Has that been not fun? Has it been a lot better? Have they told you you're going to go back to face-to-face, or, or you have no idea yet? Well, we have no idea, but um, my good buddy Peter Burst, who kind of oversees things on our channel, said, don't be surprised we're not back in the studio until September. Just to play it, say, it's working. You know, here's, you know, here's my apartment, all my stuff there. You know. <laughs> Kids on the other side right now doing some schoolwork over there. Alex is over there. Yeah. It's good. I, you know, I'm in, Toronto has one of the worst commutes up there with New York and Boston and Washington and LA. Pick your big cities. We're up there. We have the same sort of population. Uh, and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half each way. So I might spend three hours uh, on transit getting to work in Toronto. That's three hours of my day. And I listen to a lot of music, do some reading, but and there's a silver lining to everything. So by doing this out of my uh, my home here in my my dining room, I guess kitchen dining room, uh, it has bought me time, and I've appreciated that. The downside is there's nothing like being face to face for that sort of uh, interaction. We've all worked out. There's awkward pauses at times, but people know that. But there's something about being there, seeing people, and to be quite honest about it. Uh, it's good to be seen by your boss every so often so they don't forget about you. You know what I mean? No, no, nobody forgets about you, Mick. Mick. Okay, well, I don't know about that. No, nobody forgets about you ever, ever. You're one of the shining lights on that place. This is Off the Post. I'm Ashley Sarge. I'm here every uh, Saturday, 4 to 5 p.m., starting this stream with the uh, Worldwide Sports Radio. I want to thank Mick Kern for being on with me. I, th- I really appreciate you doing this with me, and maybe down the road we can chat again. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Mick. Appreciate it. All right, hit, hit the reject button. Bing. There you I go. Find it. <laughs> the best. Absolutely the best. One of the best in the business. Absolutely. He's still with me. So He's got to show off his uh, not expos hat. Go. There we go. All right, that was Mick Kern. What did you think of that? He had a lot to say. And yes, he did. We did that pretty well. Coming up in a, about a few minutes, I'd say about 10 or 15 minutes, will be uh, Kevin Weeks, former NHL goaltender with the Vancouver Canucks, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, the New York Islanders, New York Rangers, the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. He was with them. So we're going to do take a break, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Take a break. And we'll be back with more sports. This is Ashley Sarge and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I guess we're I'm back. Not we're in this game. Anybody here tired? You're listening to Off the Post. Anybody f-ing tired? On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Along with Speedy Petey, I'm Master Sarge. We're Off the Post. We're here every Saturday, 5, 4 to 5 p.m. with my, uh, with my uh, producer. And uh, there he is, live and in person. Look at this. This works. What's this going works. on? This actually works. <laughs> Thanks, how Lisa. are you, man? Yeah, how are you today? How are you? Everything is good. I, I'm going nuts. Well, nice TV behind you. I see you. Very nice. Very nice setup. Jeez, you got to invite me for dinner sometime. Yeah, I'm just at the end of the kitchen island. I'm sitting at the back end of the kitchen island. And- that's part of the family room and behind me here at the house in Jersey. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm all right. How are you? How, how are you good. Yeah, we're good. Everybody's healthy, and that's the most important thing. So uh, our families are healthy. You know, everybody back home in, in Canada is healthy and, and, are, and back in, uh, in Barbados and stuff. So we're good. No complaints. You? How often do you talk to your sister, by the way? 
We talk often uh, to both sides, uh, my sister and then on, on Meg's side of the family, we talk a lot too. We're super close family, so we're always in contact uh, almost daily, really. Yeah, that I know. That's why I asked you. What do you think I asked you? Literally almost daily. What do you think I asked you? Especially yeah. this. I, I haven't seen the Canadian border I can't, in two years. So, you know, we, I, I don't think we'll be able to see the Canadian border in two years. So, oh, Javier, so how do you We're so going to get home for Christmas, so we look forward to that. So what do you think is going to happen with this uh, COVID situation? Are we going to play 56 games? Are we going to play 48 games? Are we going to play in bubbles again? What have you heard and what can you tell us? Well, everything's pretty uh, pretty fluid right now. As you know, it's been fluid because there's been so many unprecedented things. And also there's so many variables. I mean, here in the U.S. with the elections uh, and now with the president-elect uh, Joe Biden, now that, that may change things. And we're unsure as to how that will change things. But we do know there will be change. So how that impacts pro sports uh, is a question that, that we'll see here as we continue to go forward. I think one of the good things for us, Ash, is with the, the, uh, the NFL in progress right now, there are some stadiums that do have fans in the NFL, which I think is great. And they're doing it in a way that's safe. Uh, if you look at Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami, they have fans. Arrowhead out in KC has fans. Just down the turnpike from us down in Philly at the Lincoln, they have fans. So that's an encouraging sign because they're doing that in a way that's safe. That's protecting, uh, you know, the patrons, the staff, of course, the fans and the players. So for us, to answer you, I think that that's, that's a good little litmus test. And also, too, Ash, you and I were texting, but I think the NBA coming out definitively and saying that they're going to start the 22nd of December uh, by way of their commissioner, Adam Silver, and that they're going to have a 72-game schedule, if I'm not mistaken. I think that should bode well for us because we share a lot of the same buildings, right? Whether it's Madison Square Garden whether it's United Center in Chicago, whether it's Staples Center in L.A., I can go on and on. So the hopes is that they'll be able to return with some Metro fans. Maybe there's a vaccine, uh, from what I understand, that, that could potentially be uh, maybe as early as December. And But I really think if I had to – all that to say, I would say probably if I'm hedging, maybe January, and maybe it's a 55- to 60-game NHL schedule. That's my guess right now. All right. Uh, what else did I want to? Oh, I wanted to ask you. You're an alumnus of the Tampa Bay Lightning. What did you think of their their run uh, to the, the, the winning the Stanley Cup for the second time in their history? Well, I could tell you, man. Uh, I was proud of them, and, and certainly very happy for them. It was a hard-fought Stanley Cup final, of course. You got to give the Dallas Stars a lot of credit, and Rick Bonus is somebody I have a lot of respect for, and uh, and their group. Uh, they, you know, Jim Nill's a class act. Dallas has a great organization, so congrats to them for getting there. But as far as Tampa goes. You know, this really speaks as to the to the ownership that they have there right now. You know, Jeff Vinnick is one of the best owners, not only in the NHL, but in sports. Ever since he bought that team, he's invested in the arena. He's invested in the franchise. He's invested in the community. He invests in people. And every game, he has his Community Hero Award, which uh, honors a, a local hero every home game. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's $50,000. Uh, for every home game times 41 dates. That's a significant contribution that he's made. He's bought a lot of land. He's done a lot of developing in Tampa. So to me, for a lot of our listeners that are out there, um, you know, as I look at this, this is what happens when you have committed ownership with great management and great coaches and great fans and you put it all together. So uh, they've done an amazing job. I really think too, for a lot of the fans that are tuning in, it's not always your stars. And if you want to win an hour league in the NHL, you need that alchemy of everybody. And, of course, they've got their outstanding goalie in, uh, in their Vesta Trophy winner in Vasilevsky. I was actually just in touch with him today via message. He's over in Russia back home for him. Uh, but whether it's him, Kucherov, Braden Point, 
Victor Hedman. I mean, these are some of the best players in the world. We know that, right? But it was the glue pieces for me. It was what Alex Kalorn did. It was Patrick Maroon, who's the only back-to-back Stanley Cup champ on planet Earth, by the way, <laughs> having won last year with his hometown St. Louis Blues and now going to Tampa and winning this year. Uh, it was guys like Luke Shen, uh, some of those veteran glue pieces that they added, Blake Coleman from the Devils and some other pieces, to me, that helped support their superstars and get them over the hump. So congrats to them. Oh, by the way, I think that the guy that you played with, Claude Lemieux, I think he also did back-to-back uh, Stanley Cups with Colorado and New Jersey, I believe. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, believe. I, I believe you're right on that. Exactly. Yeah, Pepe Lemieux. Yeah, yeah, son, as you know, playing for the Rangers. Congrats to him. He just got his new two-year deal, too. Yeah, he did. yeah, he did. So what do you know and Vasilevsky talk about? Any goaltending tips? Did you give him any, any goalie tips? <laughs> you know what? He's so awesome. It's funny. I was actually trying to get him on my Instagram live. Uh, I had uh, Nate Thompson yesterday. So I was trying to get Vasilevsky as a guest, but he's got an exclusive with a, a media company out of Russia. So he's unable to do that. it. Things, are, things, things can be a little bit, yeah, things can be a little bit different over in Russia or something. So, uh, but of course, he, uh, he said, we do it again. We can do it down the line once his exclusive expires. But now listen, he's a real unique goalie. And I got to give a lot of credit to their goalie coach, Franz Jean, who I know very well. Uh, first black goalie coach in NHL history to win a Stanley Cup. So congrats to France. He's outstanding. And Vasilevsky is star pupil. He, I remember where they were drafting in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, that 2012 draft. And, uh, and I remember telling me, he goes, this is the guy, this is the guy. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, this is the guy, this is the guy. I go, are you sure? He goes, this is the guy. This, and he's been a Vezina Trophy finalist three times. He's won it once. And when you watch him in the net, he's a power goalie. Like he's a, he's 6'3", 225, chiseled, in great shape, plays all the time. Uh, perfect blend between athletic and, and technical. And I remember my good friend Henrik Lundqvist telling me at the Garden two years ago after a Rangers-Tampa game. Uh, and Hank, as we know, is a first, you know, he's a future Hall of Fame lock. But Hank said, he's like, we see that's the best guy in the league. So, oh, I agree. I, I definitely agree. I said he's the best yeah. goal. I, I, I agree with you. Tell me, okay, tell me about what do you think about Hank going to Washington and what do you think their chances are uh, of going ahead next year? Well, I think Washington's still a top-end Stanley Cup contender. Ovi hasn't slowed down. Uh, they've been able to re-sign Backstrom. Tom Wilson is the biggest X factor in the league from a power forward standpoint. And obviously, John Carlson was a, a Norris Trophy finalist this year. I don't see any slowing down for, for Washington. Uh, Sam Sonov, I think, is an excellent young goalie. It's too bad he got hurt this year because he was awesome for them as a rookie. He played like a veteran. And in bringing in a guy like Henrik Lundqvist, he's hungry. He wants to get it done. He's at that Ray Bork kind of stage of his career. You mentioned the Avalanche earlier. For a lot of our listeners and our viewers out there, NHL fans, they remember the great Ray Bork and how long he was great in Boston. And he had to go to Colorado to end up winning his first Stanley Cup. Could that happen with the King, my former teammate, and Henrik Lundqvist? Maybe. But I think for Hank... This will be a great opportunity. You know, it's unfortunate the way things ended in New York with the pandemic and not being able to continue playing at the Garden and having to go back into the bubble and all these different things. But we don't, al- we don't always have the luxury of writing how the stories are going to end, uh, at least as far as for different chapters or for our overall book. So I think for Hank, it's a new lease on life for him. It's a new opportunity for him. He's one of the best Rangers that's ever played. Fortunate to call him a teammate and a friend and he, uh, he's a future Hall of Fame lock, but he wants to win that Stanley Cup. And he's gone. Uh, he's going to go to the D.C. Beltway to give himself the best chance of doing it. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but if you didn't, go on Twitter or Instagram and check him out. He tweeted a new picture of his new Washington Capitals uh, Bauer goalie equipment. It looks pretty sweet. 
Yeah, I saw it with the 35 and the king. I just saw it on yeah. on the NHL uh, page. Website, just, yeah. Just, just before, website just before your your your, uh, your place where uh, you you. I just saw how, how good it looked with the capital. Yeah, it looks sweet, right? The, yeah, it looks yeah. great. Looks the great. Too, the eagle spread, the eagle yeah. flying. It looks pretty sweet. It looks. So you think they got a good chance? You think they have a good chance uh, in the upcoming season? I mean, listen, there are a lot of teams that have improved in the East and especially in the Metro, right? We know that, you know, that's, that's not the spread. The Capitals aren't just the spread or Pittsburgh's not just the spread. We've seen how much Columbus has improved. I had a chance to spend some time with Zach Wierenski down in Miami uh, probably two weeks ago and had a great chat with him. He's a stud young defenseman along with Seth Jones. Those are two of the best defensemen in the league, forget young. And to have both of those guys for the Columbus Blue Jackets, they play half the game. And Wierenski had a career season last year in terms of goals scored. So uh, the Jackets are a better team. We know they defend well. Uh, we know that they've got great goaltending. Pittsburgh is still Pittsburgh. Uh, the Rangers are going to be a better team. And now you add Lafreniere to the mix. Uh, we know that Panarin was an MVP finalist this year for Hart Trophy. And, and of course, the Benajah has become a star here on Broadway too. The Islanders, as we all know, my man Lou Lamorello has gone there and spreaded some of his magic in his uh, in his his concoction that he puts together to build a great franchise. The Islanders now are not only on uh, on the rise, but they're a playoff team twice under Lou Lamorello, and they're finally getting their new building for Islander fans out on Long Island at the Belmont, the UBS Center, which we might call it the Bank, uh, with the UBS Bank out of Switzerland getting their naming rights. So, uh, all that to say, I, do I think that the Caps are still a contender? Of course they are, but I will say this. There are a lot of improved teams in the East. Montreal is going to be heavily improved this year. Look at the moves they've had this offseason. Huge. Getting Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, Joel Edmondson, bringing Jake Allen as the backup to, uh, to Carey Price. So right there, Ash, we know that the Eastern Conference is a different animal. And the Philadelphia Flyers, again, down the turnpike, had an amazing season last year. So I'm all for it. I know that it's going to certainly be uh, harder contested in our competitive balance, which was – Maybe a dental floss is maybe like half of a dental floss in the league now. Let me ask you about, uh, did you think some of the teams that played in the bubble, especially the teams at the, 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 the bottom of the 24, do you think that they were like, the, I thought the Rangers were flat when they played in, against Carolina. Do you think yeah. that some of these teams were, were flat going in? Because I expected better out of the bottom teams. They had something to prove. So what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think for a lot of the teams, it was hard to manufacture. You know, I, I spent some time with, with Craig Berube, head coach Craig Berube of the St. Louis Blues, last year's Stanley Cup champs, and, uh, and his lovely uh, partner, Danielle. We had a great talk in, in New York City probably about two months ago. We spent some time together there, and I will say this. I mean, Chief, as he's known as Craig Berube, Chief said, he goes, hey, it was hard for us to get our guys wound up. He goes, we see, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, our guys, they found it hard to manufacture that juice. And a guy like Jordan Bennington, who had such an amazing rookie season and a great season this past year, too, by the way. He's an NHL all-star, but he's the guy that feeds off the crowd. A lot of guys feed off the crowd. I mean, you know, it was basically like they were playing, in a sense, uh, without having our great, passionate NHL fans in the building. You know, you miss the oohs and ahs. Uh, there's nothing like play. I'm getting goosebumps here in our in our living room, talk, family room talking about it. You kidding me? There's nothing like the oohs and ahs. Of, a, of an NHL game, let alone a Stanley Cup playoff game, that excitement, you know, the way our fans are are, uh, are so demonstrative and so enthusiastic. And it seems like they, the fans live and die with every play. 
and the pressure. There's nothing in the world, with all due respect to all my sports that I love, there's nothing like the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, man, to your point, uh, I heard that from St. Louis. I heard it from, from guys on other teams where they said it was tough for them to manufacture. Boston Bruins are another one of those teams. You just asked me, Boston was a top feeder. They were number one team in the East, number one team in the league. They couldn't regain their, their swag. St. Louis, number one team in the West. They couldn't regain their swag. So, and even for some of the teams, like even for uh, Arizona, I know Rick Tockett told me the same thing, that it was tough to have some of their guys, get some of his guys going. And, you know, after they ended up getting in and, uh, and then once they got into playoffs, it just, it was different for them. They were a different team. And so too were a lot of teams. So it was a unique year. Hopefully we don't have to replicate the bubble scenario anymore, Ash. Hopefully, listen, I always say, I'm going to respect the science and everything else. But in respecting the science, if we can go to the grocery store, you can't tell me you can't go to an arena. Let's be honest. Or oh, oh, right? oh, having protests. Science or oh, having protests. Or oh, having you know protests. And I'm saying to do that in a way that's safe and to do that in a way where you prioritize the safety of all of us and all of our great fans and, and you know, all the arena workers and staff. But again, if you and I can go to Stop and Shop, uh, you know, or we can go to Fairway in the city, uh, we can go and get groceries with a mask on. No, there's no reason why you can't go to MetLife Stadium just up the street from us here in Jersey, or you can't go to Madison Square Garden safely and, uh, and respectively with health being first. So uh, I'd like to see that continue to be the trend as we go forward. You forgot a place you played in the Prudential Center. Exactly. The Pru- <laughs> we live, we're literally right. Our, our Jersey place is literally right in between the Pru and the Garden. We're like smack dab in between the two of them. It's 15 right. minutes either way. Now, you retired in 2008, 2009. You had 848 uh, games, 105, 163, and 33. A 288 goals against, a 903 save percentage. Not bad, not shabby. How do you think goaltending has changed from the time you retired till now? Well, I think one of the things that's that's been really cool with the evolution of our position is we've, you know, it goes through different ebbs and flows. One thing that's changed is it became, it started to become, really super structured in terms of technically speaking. And I feel now it's kind of gotten a balance between structured and athletic and athletic was back. So, you know, Jonathan quick is a guy to me, that's this modern day, Mike Richter and, and quickie told me Mike Richter was his favorite goalie growing up. Keep in mind, Jonathan quick is from Connecticut. And he grew up a Ranger fan. So the great Mike Richter had a huge impact on him and you can see it when he plays, you see how explosive he is. You see how dynamic he is. So, it's nice to see that athleticism that's back. Uh, also, if you look at a guy like, for example, Vasilevsky, we were talking about that earlier. He's a big, powerful athlete goalie. Like, he, he wears 88. We know the great 88, my man, the big E, Eric Lindros, Hall of Famer. But he wears his number in the net, and he's almost as big and powerful as the big E was as a power forward center. So it's kind of weird to see that evolution, and we're seeing that in a goalie form. Uh, yes. But you also, you also have uh, the, the technical kind of wizardry of Carey Price where he's technically perfect and then you have another young version of him in Carter Hart down the turnpike with the Philadelphia Flyers who's an absolute ace already at 20 21 years old playing in the NHL and going head-to-head with every top goalie in the league so what I've in in totality we've come to see now goalies that are now both technical and athletic and because of the way that the game's played and all the movement and the defensemen getting up in the attack offensively, like a Brian Leach, like a Rob Blake in years gone by, now we have Kill McCarr jumping. Now you've got Quinn Hughes jumping. You have John Carlson for the Washington Capitals. And because of that, that the defensemen attacking a lot more, 
Zach Wierenski, as I mentioned, in Columbus, along with uh, Seth Jones in Columbus. Now what's happened is the goalies have to be able to move. You can't be as predictable. So we've got a good balance between technical and athletic, and it's fun to watch. Do you think uh, they should put the red line back and get rid of the trapezoid? I know the great Scotty Bowman thinks they could put, they should put the red line back. He's been a big proponent of that. Uh, you know, my former teammate and the great Marty Brodeur isn't playing anymore. So there isn't anybody that handles the puck quite as well as he does. Although there's some guys that handle it really well. Jordan Bennington, Ben Bishop, when he's healthy, those guys are masters in handling the puck, but uh, I would be in favor of seeing the trapezoid gone. You know, I think the best part of it is, is being able to get in on the forecheck and our, our sport is such a speed game now with these speed merchants that you have, like Nate McKinnon, who looks like a V12 engine when you watch him fly. Uh, Connor McDavid is the fastest player I've ever seen, period. Hands down, with respect to the great Pablo Burry, with respect to the great um, Paul Coffey, as an example, Connor McDavid is the fastest thing I've seen uh, on skates ever, in, you know, in, in hockey. So I, I would like to see the trapezoid be gone for that reason, because if you're able to dump the puck in, um, you know, I think it create a little bit more havoc on the forecheck, but all things being equal, that's a little tweak. I think our game's amazing. It's in an amazing place right now. And Ash, you've been around this league a long time. You've seen a lot of hockey in your day, and I know you have. You're smiling. One thing that's really cool is the fact that we're seeing so much more skill, and skill isn't only being limited to a Mario Lemieux or a Brian Leach or a Mess. You know what I mean? It's not only your top-end players that are showing skill, but now you're seeing more skill up and down the lineup and coaches have a little more flexibility, sorry, a lot more flexibility in allowing their players to showcase their skill, which I think is great. Last question. What, what, do, you, sure. what do you see uh, heading into uh, 2020-21? When do you think we'll start? My thought is January at some, either, either early January, mid or late, but I think sometime in January, pardon me, and here's my big thought. You know, my big thought is, and I've thought this a long time, if I'm running an NHL team, especially now, especially given the pandemic, it's really important to have as much versatility in your lineup as possible. And I think if you look at the, at the Stanley Cup champs in Tampa, they're another example of that, right? So you're able to have, you know what you're getting out of Victor Hedman. You know what you're getting out of Kucherov. You know what you're getting out of your top guys, but even those top guys can do different things. There's a versatility to them. So Kucherov didn't only make plays from one part of the ice, right? Braden Point didn't only make plays from one part of the ice. Same thing for Victor Hedman. He could score anywhere in the offensive zone, but the same thing for their depth players. So your depth players come in, look at a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk came in and, and he looks reborn. He was comfortable. He was making plays. He felt good. He felt valued. Uh, he felt liberated after things didn't necessarily work out the way both him and the Rangers wanted them to in New York. You look at, again, I mentioned a guy like uh, Braden Colburn when he got into the lineup as a veteran guy. Luke Shen, who'd been in the league. I know him since he came to the league back in Toronto with the Leafs when he came in as an 18-year-old. You, you need versatile pieces. So that's one thing I'm looking for once this season starts is which team has the most versatility, not in terms of only their structure or their style of game, but in the way in which they let their players play. Because sometimes you got to go to the blender. And sometimes it's not working. Sometimes you got to take your top guy and put him on the fourth line with the fourth liners because the fourth line's going. Do you know what I mean? And look at the Islanders, I for know example. You. you know exactly what, like, hey, if I'm Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz feels comfortable putting out Sezekis, Martin, and Clutterbuck at any time. 
And that though they might have been the Islanders' most consistent line, if you really look at it, right? And same thing for Vegas with Ryan Reeves' line. So the versatility is something that I'm really looking forward to. And of course, I want to see uh, I want to see Quentin Byfield out in LA, and uh, and and of course Alexis Alexi Lafreniere, excuse me, here in New York. I want to see those top picks and how they fare with their respective teams, with the Kings and the Rangers, respectively. You think uh, the kid from LA is going to be uh, a stud? He looks like a stud from the videos yeah. I've seen. Yeah, Byfield has all the pieces. You know, a former NHL player, a guy I played against from the OHL back in our day, in Corey Stillman, uh, multiple NHL Stanley Cup champ. We played against each other in the league. Stiller's coaching. You know, his son plays for the Florida Panthers, Riley Stillman. And uh, Stiller coached Byfield up in Sudbury in the OHL back home. So uh, from everything that I've heard about Byfield and everything that I've watched and everything that I've seen, and especially for his size and his strength and his ability to skate and make plays, he could very well be an Andre Kopitar 2.0, which is exactly what the LA Kings are hoping he becomes uh, because Andre Kopitar has obviously been great and he's getting close to a uh, thousand points in his career. And he's won two Stanley cups. He's a world-class player and maybe a hall of famer already too. So that's what the Kings are hoping for in Byfield. And in the case of uh, Lafreniere, I think for the Rangers, because he's the winger, um, they're hoping that he can become uh, a Patrick Kane Kucherov type, a winger that can also drive offense. So I'm looking forward to seeing those young guys. And just for a flyer, I'm looking forward to seeing the young Southpaw goalie, Askarov, uh, out of Russia, who went in the first round to Nashville Predators as well. Everybody I talked to over in Russia in the KHL, including the great Nikolai Abibulin, a longtime NHL goalie and Stanley Cup champ, my former goalie partner, they rave about Askarov and his talent. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, when he finally does come over to North America, uh, how he looks. But there's a lot of different storylines, man. The King, the King also in Washington, Ash, that'll be interesting to watch. I'm pumped to see what that looks like. It will, it will. All right, anything you want to plug, uh, your Instagram page or anything else before I let you go? Yeah, hey, listen, I appreciate that. First of all, listen, you're one of the originals, man. <laughs> and, you know, you've been at the rinks, as I said, for years. You work the beat, I see. You're there, you're in there, and, and you've been. Hey, you yeah, exactly. And you've been doing such an amazing job for for as long as you have. And I say that as the ultimate compliment because you're a pro's pro. You're in the room. You're in the rink. And as I always say, rink rats get the cheese. Something else that I'll say is uh, is for a lot of you NHL fans, appreciate all of you that watch us on the NHL Network and tune in and watch us on all the different NHL platforms. We appreciate you. NHL fans, not only here at Metro New York or here in the U.S., back home in Canada, but literally around the world. And then uh, I would also say to you fans, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check me out on Twitter, at Kevin Weeks, and on Instagram, at Kev Weeks on Instagram. Uh, I'm back to doing my Instagram lives and, and have a lot of great guests. I just had Nate Thompson on yesterday. You can go on my page and check it out. And I think the biggest thing, too, for us, Ash, right now, and I know you feel this way, too, is – just to continue to stay positive and stay united. Uh, we saw the, uh, you know, the election and we saw the results today and no matter which way uh, you voted, no matter which way you didn't vote or who you like, who you don't like. Uh, one thing we all like doing is being the United States of America. And it takes a lot of different faces, colors, shapes, ages, genders, religion, sexual orientation. We're all one team. So uh, let's continue to stay unified, continue to stay as the best country in the world and do that in a way where we continue to have dignity in class and, and allow for positive differences and, uh, and do it in a way that is best representative of who we are, uh, that is the United States. I think that's really important. All right, I kept you enough time. 
Thank you for doing this. I, uh, like no worries, my again. man. Anytime for you. Thank you so much. Like and thank you for being flexible too in your schedule. Uh, next time down the road, I'd like to have you on again. Appreciate it. No worries, Thanks, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Ash. You're my Appreciate second you. guest. You're my second guest. My, my virgin show. All right, Kevin <laughs> Weeks. Virgin show. NHL <laughs> Network. <clears throat> hey. Virgin show. That's an interesting way to put it. I love that. Thank you guys so much, man. Thanks, Kevin. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, boys. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being with me. Uh, My pleasure, man. Thanks again. All right. What are you? What are you? In, what are you in a cave over there? What happened to you? You're all in the dark. <laughs> Hang on a second. I gotta put, shut, put the lights on. Yeah, it looks like you're in a cave. You're like a underworld. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Talk for like two seconds. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks like you were. It looks like uh, Ashley was in the underworld there. He was rising from a cave as some kind of demon or something like that. I don't know what was going on. Ah, there he is. Some light. Some light has arisen. You really just looked like you were about to. Spelunk, uh, go spelunking or something like that, just in the deep dark abyss or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> that was Kevin I, I Weeks. Have the light on. What can I tell you? It's my first show. You know, the Virgin show. It's the first show, and uh, we got to get the kinks out a little bit. You know, we had some two good guests, mm-hmm. which was great, and you did an outstanding job. I'm going to come sit next to you. Not not next week, but one week I can come sit next to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can do this. Uh, we can. Uh, you can go sit can, in Arrow's seat. Can sit in, I can sit in Arrow's seat. That's, right. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> Thanks again, though, for to, to both of our guests for joining us today. I want to thank uh, Mick Kern at NHL Network Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 91. He does the afternoon and the night show. I want to thank Kevin Weeks, also the NHL Network, former NHL goaltender with the uh, Vancouver Canucks, the New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning, Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, retired in 2008 for all his um, all his um, accomplishments. Stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to check out of here. We're going to do one hour at the beginning, and then as we go along, maybe we'll expand it. But, Petey, I'll talk to you uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. See ya. Have a great you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.